This episode is sponsored by Rulin Group. There are four gifts I've received over the years that really stood out, and the common link between all of them is each one was sourced through the Ruling Group. If you want to deliver amazing gifts that capture people's attention, go to GiversEdge.com to learn more. Welcome to the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Ian interviews some of the brightest minds who share proven methods to help you achieve success and grow revenue with integrity. Every episode concludes with a quick recap of actionable steps you can take to deliver tangible, immediate results for your business. Now, here's your host, Ian Altman. Hey, it's Ian Altman. On this episode, I'm joined by Christina Buweri. Now, Christina is the CEO of Reston Limousine, and it may sound like just your routine limousine company, but they actually have the 12th largest fleet in North America. They're a juggernaut and offer some of the most amazing service on the planet. We're going to talk to Christina about how she builds a culture where every employee is taking care of customers like family. We're going to talk about how she's innovated and created new approaches for new markets to dramatically expand her business despite downturns in the economy. And we'll talk about different approaches for managing your strengths and those of your team to generate great results. I'm telling you, Christina packs a ton of information in here. You're going to love hearing from Christina Buweri. Christina, welcome to the program. Thank you. So give us a little bit of your background. I actually have the good fortune of not only having you as a guest, but I use your service at Rest and Limo uh, more often than I care to admit with all the travel that I do. But give us a little bit of the history of how you got to where you are today. Okay, well, it's a it's a crazy story. Um, I went to college uh, at George Washington University, and I got a degree in international affairs, and I wanted to join the Foreign Service. My senior year in college, I got an internship working for this nonprofit um, that had programs in Africa to uplift the status of women. Mm-hmm. So I ended up going and doing that job for a couple of years, decided that was not for me, came back to the States, and the only job I could find was a 100% commission paid sales advertising job. So I was cold calling out of the yellow pages, and that's how I met William Buweri, the founder of Rust and Limousine. I made an appointment, I sold an ad, we started dating. Then we got married, and um, that's how I got into the limousine business. <laughs> now, I know that's not the end of the story. So when you started out, was the company primarily offering limousine services? What was the nature of the company when you first started with it? When I first started, we had five cars, and we were 100% corporate. Okay. We did not do weddings. We did not do wine tours. We did not do proms. Um, the one thing, I mean, the first market that I, that I expanded into was definitely weddings because it was something that I felt, um, I could handle and, um, he didn't want to deal with brides and I was happy to deal with brides. I think women are natural event planners and like to do that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And then the second market I expanded us into was government contracting. Now that was a bit of an accident because a guy just basically knocked on our office door and asked us if we wanted to bid on a shuttle and asked that if we won, would we hire him as a driver? So that's how we got into the government <laughs> contracting business. And once we won that contract, we thought, well, there have to be more of these. And we started researching government contracts. And we found out that every agency, every government agency in the city pretty much 
had its own private shuttle service shuttling their, its employees between buildings and to work from the metro. Yep. So for about 10 years, I went after that market very heavily. I won probably 90% of the bids that I put out. And that's how the company went from about five cars to about 100 cars. Well, at that point, we were no longer a small business. And in the shuttle bus industry, you have to be a small business to win government contracts. So we diversified again into hospitals, universities, uh, tourism, corporate shuttles, residential shuttles, and looking for business wherever we could find it. Yep. And and so if you look at today, and this is something that people should be sitting down when they hear this. So you started five cars just doing corporate, basically driving people between the home and the office, between the office and the airport or the train station. That was the business. And what's the fleet look like today? Today, we have 240 vehicles. We have uh, over 100 minibuses. We have coach buses, the 57 passenger full-size coach buses. We have 25 sedans, seven limousines, one Hummer, one limo bus. We have some Mercedes Sprinters and then some very fancy vans that we use a lot for the wine tours. So it's a very diverse fleet. It's very large and we have 400 employees. Which is amazing. And there's there's so many things that I want to ask you about related to your employees. But before we jump into that, what I want to talk about is this area of innovation. Because I think a lot of businesses get stuck with external thinking. What I mean is, oh, the economy's bad, so there's nothing I can do. Oh, this area has dried up. There's nothing I can do. And you've had dramatic growth despite being in the midst of some pretty lousy economic times, but you figured out a way to create new business and new markets. So let's talk about even just the notion of wine tours, which most people in most cities now say, oh, of course, wine tours. But when you started doing it, nobody was doing these bus trips or coach trips for wine tours. How did that come about? So that came about uh, shortly after 9-11 when business had kind of come to a standstill for me. And I thought I need to come up with some new ideas. And a lot of people had told me about Virginia wine country, but at the time I was a bit of a wine snob and I, I, I wouldn't even consider drinking Virginia wine. <laughs> so I, you know, I thought I'd better suffer through it. And I went out to wine country and I tried it. I liked it. I got to know the owners of the wineries and I decided I would definitely start marketing wine tours on the weekends because during the week our buses were being paid for by either the government or a university or a hospital and on the weekends, they were sitting idle. So if I could find something for them to do on the weekend, it would be frosting on the cake. And so that's why we decided to do wine tours. And um, just by my many, many, many personal trips out to wine country and all the sort of fam trips I took out there, I really grew to love Virginia wine. And And it's not just the wine. It's the beauty of the countryside and getting to know the owners and the winemakers and you know, it's been very successful. We're actually doing more wine tours now than weddings. Wow. And it's a huge market. It's a market that's actually busy seven days a week because we have corporate clients that go out to wine country during the week for team building exercises. And we, you know, so wine wine tours are actually going on seven days a week. And the beauty is this. The thing that I love about the story is that this isn't only fueling your business. The wineries benefit 
caterers in those regions benefit. And you've actually built like a whole industry around these bus tours that candidly other transportation companies have tried to replicate as well. But I don't think anyone's doing it anywhere near the scale that you're doing it. Well, I'd have to agree. And I would say that the reason why I think my wine tours are so successful is that we pretty much market the wine tours to our database of limousine clients. And we have about 60,000 limousine clients in our database. So when you're looking at that demographic, it's already sort of a higher end, possibly an empty nester group that wants to go on a wine tour, as opposed to my competitors who are advertising to the millennials and treating these wine tours as bar hopping experiences. So that's really the difference between my company and my competitors, because we focus on a high end, beautiful experience. We, we put a hostess on the bus and the wineries appreciate us and our customers because we're not treating it as a bar hopping experience. Yeah. And let, let's face it, the bar hopping junket is not exactly the clientele the winery is looking for because your clientele is likely to say, oh, yeah, and can you guys ship me two cases of wine or can you put it on the bus and I'll take it home with me, as opposed to someone else is thinking, well, how many other free glass of wine can I get? And they're not really tasting, they're drinking. You're right. That's exactly it. Yeah, I, I remember I remember you telling me this story where, if I recall correctly, the first time you went, you went to check out one of these wineries, the idea was, well, I don't even know if the bus is going to fit down the driveway. And so we're going to visit five places. And if I recall correctly, you managed to stay at one place and you committed, okay, we're not going to drink anywhere. And you met the uh, winemaker and he said, well, you have to taste something. And five hours later, you said, you know, this is going to be a great experience. I guess we should replicate this. Yes. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> right. On our, on our very first trip, we said we weren't going to drink any wine. We were just going to do logistics. And we ended up drinking all the wine and getting very lost and having a wonderful day. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. Which is which is all the more reason to have a dedicated driver in these situations yes. rather than somebody else. And I know that for conferences that I've put on, we've used your coach services and tours. And I remember we had people come into town for a conference, and we took them on a tour of the monuments. And I mean, it's just the whole experience has been amazing. I even I, when we were talking earlier, I commented that every time I get into one of your cars, I know it's one of your drivers. And if I ever get into a car from a different service, I can tell instantly it's not your people. So let's talk about the people and how you build this culture across all these employees, across all these vehicles. How do you build that culture that delivers amazing service time and time again? Well, thank you very much. That's a wonderful question. And I really appreciate your your kind comments about our service. So we are we are different than most limousine companies because we do treat our drivers as employees and that's the way it's been from day one and the reason why we did that is because we have government contracts and we wanted to keep everything on the up and up Uh, most limousine companies treat their drivers as subcontractors so i would say that that's a a big reason why our employees are more committed Um, they're mostly full-time they have benefits we offer them health insurance sick leave Let me challenge something there, because there are a lot of people who have bona fide employees who are not engaged, who don't treat their customers with a level of care and attention to detail that your team does. So I don't believe it's just that they're employees, but there's got to be something more to it in how you treat people and how you care for them that translates to how they care for your customers. So, you know, give us a peek 
um, behind the curtain as to how you build that kind of culture? It all depends on the people that work for the company. So it's not just me as the owner, but the next level of, of managers between me and the drivers are all wonderful people that love this company as well. And so I can, I can only say that, you know, I, we treat everyone like family, even though we're not really a small company anymore. We treat people like family. We, we do great events. We have employee recognition opportunities. And uh, I think, you know, what differentiates us is that we, we listen to people, we care about them, and we try and help them with their problems. It's, it's just kind of a different environment for the limousine industry because the limousine industry tends to be uh, not such a great place to work from what I've heard uh, from other people all over the country because it is such a tough job. You have to be on call 24-7. You're not guaranteed 40 hours a week. So to go and do that for a living, you have to really love driving. You have to love people. And we treat people well. And, um, and in turn, the drivers treat us well and they treat the customers well. I always love that every time I come home, it's funny because you've got, you've got people on your team who, when I arrive at the airport, I almost feel like it's one of my family members picking me up at the airport, as, as strange as that sounds, which is probably like there's some deep-rooted psychological problem I have going on. But literally, they know what unconventional door I'm going to come out of and when I'm going to need help and when I'm not and when to take back roads and when not to so that I get in the car and I just kind of tune out and there's always chilled water and like you have Wi-Fi in your cars. In fact, I want to ask you about that. You've got Wi-Fi in your vehicles. Yes. And what motivated you to do it? And of course, the next question in my head is, why hasn't everybody figured this out? But talk about the Wi-Fi and what drove you to do it and how your customers respond. Well, uh, Wi-Fi is just uh, something none of us can live without. I mean, I can't even remember when we got it. I'm thinking it was eight or nine years ago. And we offered it as a value add. And uh, some customers required it. Some did not. Everyone loves it. And actually, the people that use it the most are the college students that we drive. Yeah. We do a lot of college runs, and the buses might, might be filled with 25 kids, and they're all on Wi-Fi. I mean, they would be miserable if they didn't have Wi-Fi, and I personally would be miserable if our cars didn't have Wi-Fi. Oh, yeah. So it's just one of those things that you know you really have to offer. I think it also means that your drivers, when they're parked waiting, if they're sitting idle for a couple hours – waiting for somebody whose flight is delayed on their phones. They don't need to have this ridiculous data plan because they can use the Wi-Fi that's built into your vehicles. That's right. So it also makes it so it's more affordable and you're caring for them. I mean, it's just, it's, it's one of those things that when I travel to another city and don't have Wi-Fi, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, what's wrong with you people? Instead of realizing you're unique and that you offer that. Well, thank you. We, so, we, we embrace technology. We always have. And that's another differentiator for us. Now, I know that that you focus a lot on managing to people's strengths. And I know that um, I had a, a prior guest on, Lisa Cummings, who talked about how in many organizations, people spend all their time trying to overcome someone's weaknesses instead of magnifying their strengths. So talk about how you embrace that approach with your organization, even for yourself. Well, I, I um, this is just something I really learned on my own. It's not something I read in a book or something anyone told me. I just, over time, after being in business for so many years, I always thought it was wrong to force people to do things that they're not good at. So we 
try and uh, make sure people are doing what they're good at. I'm the perfect example. I've been in business 25 years. I have 400 employees, and yet I have gotten rid of all of my daily tasks at Rust and Limousine because my strengths are in sales, networking, and marketing. So that's how I spend my time. I'm mostly out of the office. I'm on 10 boards. I spend most of my time at board meetings, helping other organizations grow, learning, getting to know the people that can help me grow my business and being, being the lifelong learner that I am. So I have a very, very strong chief operating officer, Tony Simon, who manages all the departments. He has way more patience than I do, and he has better judgment when it comes to hiring people. So, you know, he has great strengths and our strengths complement each other. He always tells me he, he can't do what I do. And I always tell him I can't do what he does. So together we're running this company and we're focusing on our strengths. Yeah. And you know what? And it's, it's so funny you said, I want to make sure that, that the listeners really understand this. In my prior business, my COO was a guy who people used to say, his name is Bob Proselli. And people, when they would meet Bob, who had known me for years, they'd say, man, I can't believe you guys are business partners. You are so different. And I used to laugh and I said, well, I don't need someone else like me. I need someone else who's not like me. One of me is way more than enough. We need yeah. somebody who's actually responsible. And um, and so in many cases in our business, I was the accelerator and he was the brake. And if we both agreed, it probably made sense. And if we didn't, then there was probably something missing that one of us had overlooked. And, and that led to much better decisions overall. Yes, it's great. When you're, when you're hiring, you, you need to focus on bringing in strengths that don't exist at the company and making sure you have a diverse team with diverse strengths. Yep. Now, I, I want to ask you about a couple of things because when it comes to marketing, you do some things that are so brilliant in terms of how you attract, especially like in the, in the, in the corporate side or even um, in, you know, in, in some of the bigger fleet stuff that you do, the natural conclusion for people would be, oh, you're going to do marketing events targeting the senior executives. And that's not what you do. So explain how you attract these great people and how that different approach has really led to growth in the business. Okay, so I... Um I think it was 2008 when that next recession hit and it was becoming very hard for us to win new business because it was very price driven and we will never be the low cost provider. So I had this idea that instead of looking for new clients, why not build deeper relationships with the clients we had? So we invited 50 clients to lunch each month and I got 12 strategic partners as sponsors to help me pay for it. When I say that, it was still very inexpensive, maybe $150 for each of them to contribute to a lunch where they got to meet 50 of my clients. And when I say that they were my clients, they weren't really the clients riding in the cars, but they were actually the administrative assistants or office managers or HR managers at these corporations that were ordering transportation. So once a month, we would take 50 clients to lunch. And at that lunch, we would thank them for being our clients and we would make sure they knew about all the different services that we offer. Some of them were using me only for sedans and some were only using my buses. And after the lunch, they, they fully understood all the different types of vehicles we offered. And we also would also tell them that 
we can provide a car for them in, in any city in the world. And a lot of them had said that was their biggest headache was when their boss was traveling to Paris or Dubai or New York, they didn't know who to use. And we would say, you just call us, we'll arrange everything and you, and we'll take care of that headache for you. Yep. And I'll, t- I'll tell you that in my organization, we've taken advantage of that. And we get people that have the same level of professionalism that your team does here, which is remarkable because I think to myself, okay, how do you assure that in, in a city where you're not physically operating, but you figured out a way to do it? Well, the other thing we learned from these lunches was that these corporations would tell us, well, you know, you know, not everybody at our firm is using Rest in Limousine. And why don't you come in and do a brown bag lunch for all the admins so they can get to know you? So what, what ended up happening is we created focus groups with our clients who actually helped us understand what they were looking for. We created ambassadors that would go back into these corporations and promote our company free of charge. And then my strategic partners and sponsors were all like free salespeople working for me, always promoting my company as well. So that one idea of, of taking 50 clients to lunch each month grew my business by 27%. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. And I think that it's something that I want to make sure people take away, which is it's very easy to focus on, well, I'm going to grow my business by going after new customers. And so many people miss the boat on expanding and and strengthening that relationship with your existing customers. The easiest way to grow your business is not to lose your existing customers and the most likely place for you to get new business is people who already like doing business with you. Absolutely. And that is what has grown our business around the world because these clients are now, I mean, the very next day I would start getting bookings in New York City and San Francisco. And it's how we got a major international relocation client that uses me on the West Coast every day for about 30 trips and never uses me in Washington, D.C. So it's really been wonderful. That's fantastic. And I know that, I mean, all this has led to, it's got to be close to the the top 10 in terms of size of your fleet. I know that it, it was the 12th largest fleet. Is that right? We're about there, about the 12th largest fleet in the country. Yeah. And the beauty is that what you're doing is you're bringing people together who, let's face it, if you take a CEO and say, hey, come to lunch – they get, they get wine and dine all the time, but the admin person who's booking the car probably never gets that level of attention. And in fact, you're, wh- one of the points you're illustrating that I love is, in fact, one of, one of my recent podcast episodes talks about the idea of the quote-unquote gatekeeper is not your enemy. The gatekeeper is your friend. And if you can show the gatekeeper where you add value, they'll become your greatest asset ever. That's right. They're predisposed to help people unless you're a slime ball. <laughs> and they they've been so happy. They said no one ever does anything for us and and they really really appreciate it. Yeah, and and you guys genuinely appreciate them. Now, when it came to the bus tours, you took a similar approach and and what I mean by that is in this case what you were doing is you were giving them a taste of the experience. And I know through all these different boards that you're involved in and different networking groups that when it came to the wine tours, you took kind of a similar approach in terms of giving people a taste and then spread the word. Can you talk about that? Yeah, sure. So when we run these wine tours, we do two different kinds. One is called the public wine tour, which is open to anybody to jump on a bus with other people. We normally pick up at the metro stop. And then we do private wine tours where we just go to someone's house and pick up everyone at that house and then go out to wine country. So with this public tour, there's 25 seats on that bus. And I give away two tickets to the wine tour 
as a door prize to many, many organizations every single month. And I do that as a way of marketing my wine tour because if I have a 25-seater bus and 18 people have paid and seven are on their complimentary, it doesn't really cost me anything extra to, to, to give away those seats. And that has been how I, I marketed that wine tour. And I, I would have to say it was a bit of a loss leader the first two years. But from that moment forward, it just totally took off and it's very successful. Until today, we still give away public wine tours. We also give away pu public brew tours. We donate a lot of limousine service to charities to use at galas in their silent auctions to help charities raise money. So that's also another huge initiative that we have. And it's, it's a way to expose our name to the kind of demographics we want and a great way to give back to the community. It also shows a connection to the community. And and if people were wondering, well, how effective is that? I know that you guys were recognized as the number one wine tour operator in 2015 in Virginia. And there's a lot of people who have tried to replicate what you've done, but being number one is uh, something they can't easily replicate. And, you know, it's just, you, you win award after award. And I think so much of it has to do with your connection to the community that people really value what you do as a business. What's the biggest lesson that you can share with people that you learn, maybe a struggle or a speed bump you had in your business that other people can learn from? I really think the biggest lesson that I've learned in the 25 years I've been in business is that you can never rest. You can never get comfortable and think you figured it all out and that business is going to be great because the first 10 years I was in business w was phenomenal. I went from 200,000 in revenue to 5 million without any blips. And then 9-11 happened and it changed everything. And I kept thinking, oh, well, I'm going to get through 9-11 and then it'll go back to the old days. And guess what? The old days never came back. Yep. So the, the new normal is that you have to be creative. You have to reinvent yourself. You have to be a learner and you have to always be looking for something new to do for your business or you will die. Excellent. You know what? I love that the idea of being creative, being innovative, always trying to find something new. And it's funny because in every business, it's easy for people to kind of fall back on what they know and not challenge themselves and not take any risks. And clearly, all of the calculated risks that you've taken certainly have the appearance of having paid off. I'm sure along the way, there were some things that didn't work out so well, but that's part of what taking risks is all about. That's right. You have to take a lot of risk or you, or you can't grow. And um, I've, I've made a lot of bad decisions along the way, but I've learned from them. And, and, and now I know what works and what doesn't work. You know, you have to try a lot of different things until you find the magic bullets. <laughs> Well, you know what? Clearly, you've done it. And anybody, anybody, I was going to say, come to the Washington, D.C. area, but really traveling anywhere when they need transportation, I can speak from personal experience that your team provides amazing care. And just so people know, it's not like Christina's company is a sponsor and we don't pay for our services. They're the people that I've been using for years by choice and just realized, wow, Christina's got a great company. I'd love to have her on the show. And um, so I don't want people to misconstrue it. This isn't a paid-for endorsement. In fact, it's an inverse paid-for endorsement. I happily pay for their services, and I can endorse it. Well, I really appreciate it, and you're a great customer. The drivers love you, too. So we appreciate everything. Um, we appreciate your business, we, and we appreciate you letting us come on the show today. Absolutely. So, Christina, what's the best way for people to find you and learn more about you and Reston Limo? My website is www.restinlimo.com. 
And my email is very easy. It's Christina with a K at restandlimo.com. My, my Twitter handle is Rest and Limo. I'm on Facebook. Um, we are on YouTube. We try and do a lot of social media. So I'm sure if you just Google us, you'll find us and you can learn more. And we're, we look forward to, to hearing from you. Excellent. Christina, well, thanks so much for sharing. We'll have all this detail in the show notes. And uh, I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom with our listeners. Thanks. Thank you so much. Christina just shares some great information. Let me give you a quick 30-second recap of the key information I think you can use to help in your business. First, recognize that when Christina was growing her business, one of the first things she did was she focused on her existing customers and deepening relationships there. She used lunches, focus groups, and had sponsors participate to grow the pie overall and strengthen. If you want to help build your business, the first thing you want to do is not lose your existing customers. Second, she innovated by finding areas, instead of focusing on the old status quo and hoping for those days to come back, she figured out ways to get creative and innovative to find new markets and thereby expanded the areas in these wine tours and in other aspects of her business. And finally, remember that Christina taught us that you don't want to focus on having people do things they don't enjoy. Instead, focus on their strengths to get the most out of yourself and the people around you. Remember, this program gets its ideas from you, the listener. If you've got an idea for a topic I should cover, if there's a guest you think I should have, please just drop me an email directly at ian.altman at growmyrevenue.com. Have an amazing week. Add value and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, even your customer. Thank you for joining us each week for the Grow My Revenue Business Cast with Ian Altman. Unconventional strategies for selling, innovation, and leadership. Be sure to subscribe to our program on iTunes or Stitcher. Don't miss Ian's weekly newsletter and be a part of the conversation on growmyrevenue.com and via Twitter at Grow My Revenue.